I'd say my heart goes out to him coming Wednesday. If you would this evening, open your Bible to the book of John chapter 15. I had initially intended to preach something else, but after yesterday evening, I no longer had peace about that particular portion of scripture, that particular topic, and I only found peace as I considered the book of John, the 15th chapter, as I told you, I'd like to try to stay in the book of John this week. But in John chapter 15, I'd like us to read verses 9 through 14. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Our Father, as we read this portion of Scripture, as we have Consider the love that we do and we should have one for another. And Father, we consider the love that you have for us in Christ. The best we can say that we ought to be amazed that such a God as you could love such a people as we. May we, Father, this evening Consider the love that you have for your son, the love that your son has for you, and the love that we are admonished to have one for another because of the love that he has for us. Help us, Father, to grow in that love. It is so easy for the flesh, it is so easy for our nature to become restless to become less than loving. But Father, may we always look to your spirit for direction, for that which is needful that we might truly be the children of a loving God. Help us, our Father, for Christ's sake. Amen. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. I don't think sometimes, maybe I will say this, I'm going to say we don't, but sometimes I don't think I really appreciate or really consider sufficiently the matter of the love that the Father had for a son. 
I can find it easy to think of the love that he has for me. I can think of the love that he has given me for him. But sometimes I'm a bit amiss about considering the love that the father had for the son. And as we consider the love that the father has for the son, and we consider what the father directed his son to do, it should make our salvation and our love for one another to grow. We jokingly said last night that Brother Paul and I have known each other for 12 years. I jokingly said it just seems like that. I said that in a pure sense of joy that I have. But I have come to love this church. And uh, I'm going to say it anymore. Tom sitting back there in his Argyle vest. I look at Kathy sometimes, his sister, which is a member of the church in St. Louis. I look at Kathy sometime and little expressions. I say, that's Tom sitting over there. So I never get away from Tom, what I'm trying to get to. I'm always, you know, Tom is always sitting before me whenever I'm in the assembly. But the father the love the, the love the father had for the son is an amazing love. But again it should draw attention to the degree of the love that the Father has for us who didn't spare his son but gave his son freely for us. And the love that the son had for us that he freely and willingly gave himself at the Father's request. Christ is our example or a pattern for love. We should learn how to love by watching the way the Son loves us, how the Father loves the Son, and how the Son loves the Father. The Father and Son are always in perfect agreement. There's never any confusion, there's never any Uncertainty about their relationship. There's no question about the fact that the son is totally devoted to the father. The father is totally devoted to the son. And the Lord tells us here, as the father has loved him, so have I loved you? Continue ye in my love. 
stay there, remain there. This word is sometimes translated abide, live in it. Then it goes on in verse 10, it says, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Brother Paul said a few moments ago, the love of the, that we have for the brethren should that end? There should be nothing that would divide or cause our love to diminish. And there may be times that it's difficult to express that love. It may be difficult at times to Relish in that love. But it's not a request. It is not a wish that the Son has for us here. Continue ye in my love. As I have kept my Father's commandments, you keep mine. And you shall abide in my love. You know, the love of the Father, that the Father had for the Son, is an ancient love. It is a love that goes back before the foundation of the world. We're in John, turn to chapter 17, verses 23 through 26. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast loved, that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, and they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known thee. Lord, these are known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. The love that the Father has for the Son is a most ancient love. Existing before the foundation of the world. And evidently we were in that love. Way before the foundation of the world. 
Because we were chosen in Christ for the foundation of the world. The love of the Father that he had for the Son, the Father made known to all those that could hear. Turn if you would to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan, unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answering, said unto him, Suffer it to be so, now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw a spirit, saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Father never made any question, any bones about the fact of the love that he has for his Son. Turn to chapter 17 of the same book, Matthew chapter 17, and the first six verses. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 6. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shone as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And, be, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with him. Then answered Peter, instead of Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were afraid. Hear ye him. Pay attention to the son that I love. Pay attention to the son that I have loved for the foundation of the world. Give heed to what he says. Let what he says to you resonate in your heart and in your minds continually. Abide in what he says. Do not let it go. Do not ignore it. Do not set it aside. 
but hear it and be a doer of it. So have I loved you, continue in my love. Continue in the most ancient love that loved in the Father and the Son. How do we continue in the Father's love? How do we continue in that love? Excuse me. That the Father had for the Son. If you keep, if you observe, if you Hold fast to my commandments. You cannot say that you love the Son, that you love the Father, and do not keep his commandments. It's essential. If we ever find ourselves willing to deviate, willing to set aside, willing to ignore the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ, we may very well be declaring to the world around us and to ourselves, we did not love the Son in the first place. Because we have to keep His commandments. And what is the example it gives us? Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, I expect you to do the same thing. We must hear. We must keep the commandments of Christ. Do not just simply hear them. We won't turn there, but James in chapter 1 makes it very clear that is incumbent upon God's people to be doers of Christ's commandments. It is incumbent upon us to do as Christ has said for us to do. You know, Christ had much to say about love. The love he has for us, again, the love the Father had for him, and how we ought to love one another. I'm going to say something now that I've been hesitant to say. I had something entirely different to preach this evening. But when I woke up this morning, I had no peace about it. It just didn't feel right to me. And I brought several messages. I want to stay in the book of John this week. And I had several messages in John. And the one that I plan to preach is off the shelf. I was back on the shelf out of contention. But as Brother Paul spoke when he was here, he spoke of the, the love. Because I was even kind of questioning, is this actually what I'm supposed to preach this evening? The first song Reggie sang, or letter to sing, began to tell me, okay, you're on the right page. Brother Paul, it's okay, we're on the right page. 
I'm not sure we really appreciate the value of love. We make love now a word. I say at home quite often, a man can shape his mouth to say whatever he pleases to, whether he means it or not. And I'm afraid that people have gotten used to when they hang up the phone, I love you, and hang up. Or you get up in the morning, I love you. My question is often, do you really? Or are you just going through the motion saying what you think needs to be said? Love is not a word. Love is an action. You know, in John chapter 3, it said the Father... God so loved the world that he told them every time they turned around, I love you, I love you. No. How did the Father exemplify his love for the world? He gave his only begotten Son. Love requires action. Love requires us to get our hands dirty. For us to get emotional. To be affected by one another. One of the things back in 1976, when I believe the Lord was calling me to preach, one of the things that began to bother me was this idea of the church of a Big, universal, invisible church. Because I kept seeing when one suffers, they all suffer. When a church member is suffering, the whole assembly should feel that suffering. You can't do that in a universal, invisible monstrosity that the world knows at the church today. This is motivated out of love for that person. If you do not quake, if you are not disturbed or bothered by the afflictions of a brother and sister in Christ, especially in your assembly that you're a part of, you got a problem. I'm not saying we take every matter to the same degree of intensity. But the more the intensity of the person that they have, the more we should express and feel that intensity. How did Christ love us? We said the Father loved the Son with the, before the foundation of the world. He declared it very clearly. The Son has a love as well. How did Christ love when he was here? Not that he loves any different now. How did he love when he was here? In John chapter 13 and verse 1 we read, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that he shall depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. 
He loved them all the way to the cross at Calvary. He loved them all the way to the tomb. He loved them all the way to the throne of God. And there he sits to make intercession for those he loved. Anyone here this evening that knows not Christ and his love the saving of their souls can't appreciate that. He loved them to the end. And long as he was here and he's still sitting there, Father, they're mine. Father, I died for them. Father, you gave them to me. How do you wake up in the morning, a sinner, not saved by the grace of God and the blood of Christ, and have any peace of mind? You gotta be numb. I know that I was. Before the Lord saved me, I kinda worked on emotion and my own ideas. But I had no real comfort or peace. Things would come up and I'm scared. But once I came to know the love of Christ, the love with you loved me until the end, I have peace now that I never had before from that day forward. The love of Christ was the love of total sacrifice. He tells in John chapter 15 and verse 3, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. That's what Christ did for those he loved. He laid down his life. No one took it from him. No one forced him. He laid his life down freely, gladly, and with joy because the Father had told him, you have also the power to take that life back up again. He took that life back up again. He rose victorious over death. And you know, folks, now we have no fear of death. Death has the real victory over us. What's going to die is this mortal body that we need to get rid of anyway. This body causes nothing but grief and pain and anguish. It causes us to be ineffectual or ineffectual in our love one for another. It allows us to get our, our feelings hurt and we withdraw from one another. It ought not to be so. But when this body is gone and we're raised anew, all of those afflictions, all of those problems will be gone. Christ is a friend to sinners. He's a friend to publicans and sinners. So much so was he a friend that again, he laid down his life. He doesn't tell us something he didn't do himself already. 
I laid down my life, or I'm going to lay down my life not long after this. And I'm doing this because I want you to know that if you say you love your friend, then you should be able and willing to lay down your life for them. Love is not a very easy word to live with or to live by. It's an easy word to say, but to put into action is not quite that easy. If you shall turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, in Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, in all things we are more than conquerors, through him that loved us. The love of Christ, a love that we can never lose, can never be taken away from us. Can never be minimized. And yet we so often allow hurt feelings, innuendos, assumptions. Maybe one of the worst was assumptions. We assume something that's not true, but because it crosses our mind, we assume it and we live in it and we walk in it and it causes us grief and anguish and separation. But who can separate from the love of God, the love of Christ? Nothing. And because of his love, we are more than conquerors. What is it that we should not be able to overcome? Through the love of Christ. What is it, what wrong can be done to us that we cannot overcome? If we remember the love that Christ had for us. How can we ever be hurt by one another? The way that Christ was afflicted for us. We can't. It's impossible. Because the love of Christ won't allow it. So why are we having, why, why is it so hard for the flesh to live in love? You know, love is the center of everything that Lord Jesus Christ did and all that he commanded. His love for God the Father and those the Father gave him led him to do everything that he did. And we should do likewise. We should subject, submit, humble ourselves to one another and esteem one another higher than ourselves. Go back to the book of Matthew for a moment if you would, chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. Matthew 22. Verse 37 through 40. 
Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In those two things, do you see any room for us not to have love one for another? Everything, the laws hang on those two. Our love for God and our love for one another. It's essential. When we love God in Christ correctly, and we love our neighbors correctly, I believe all other relationships are called into place. But we get our nose out of joint. We have a problem doing this. We are to love as Christ did. He is our example. So then if we love or if we keep his commandments, then we should abide in his love. If we abide in his love, we will keep his commandments. It's hard to say that we love God and not love his people. He said again in John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14 and verse 24, he says, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the world, and the word ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. If you say you love the Son, then you'll keep his commandments. And you'll understand that the commandments of the Son are the commandments of the Father. What the Son told us, what the Son has printed here, it was the Father gave him to tell us as direction for us to live our lives in him on this earth as long as we are yet in this body. Turn, if you would, now to the book of First John, quickly. First John chapter 4. I want us to read verses... 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God. Toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation 
for our sins. Beloved of God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That word ought there means to be bound. It means that we are duly, duty bound to love one another as Christ and God has loved us. It's not an option. It's not a request. We are bound to do it. You know, I ought to stop at stop signs. I ought to do the speed limit. In the English language, I ought to do certain things. But you know something? I don't always do them. I found myself doing better 80 miles an hour coming down Highway 16 to get here. I ought not to have done that. But when it comes down to love, it's not an ought to. We're bound to. We have to. John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. Our love for one another is a sign that others should see. And that others should indicate and should be able to determine these folks know Jesus. These folks love Jesus. They love one another. I really question the salvation, and I know it's difficult for, you know, we, we really can't, but I wonder about the salvation of people that can deal with the people of God and not love them. In the book of Galatians, the second chapter, the second, the sixth chapter, the second verse, we find these words. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the love of Christ. And I'm going to tell you now what motivated me to come from John chapter 15 and this message this evening. I believe I saw this. Last night, among this people, right down here, I saw, I experienced, I was actually allowed to be a part of an expression of love that the people of God have for one another here. I watched it. I heard it. I could hear the intensity of the prayers that were motivated by love and concern for people in this congregation. People that have needs, people that are hurting. They're motivated by love to assemble together around those people and pray for them. Not dictating to God what God would do, 
but expressing their desire for those individuals. I saw people concerned about medical and financial needs. And with no question, no reservation, they said, we will do this. That's what love requires. That's what love should show us to do. Go back to our text, and I'll try to draw this to a close. In John chapter 15, note verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And I thought for a moment, what does that mean? That my joy might remain in you. And I remember Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us in part, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It was a joy for Christ to give his life on the cross at Calvary for those that the Father gave him. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain. I'm thinking that the joy that he had in dying for them that was soon to come motivated him. And it should be a motivation for us as well that it might remain. We might have his love and example he set for us ever abiding in us as a motivation to love one another. I don't know what this church does when I'm not here. But if what I saw last night is any indication, whatever they do or do not know, they seem to know how to love one another. And I wish that were more prevalent. When I think of all the divisions, the confusions, the animosities, the neglects, the ignoring of people, I ask, what's wrong? You know, First John tells us quite often, that there is reason or there is legitimacy in the fact that if we say we love God who we have not seen and do not love those he sent his son to die for who we do see, does the love of God really abide in us? That the question must be asked. Do we really? Do we really love God and we 
have never looked at him. We haven't seen Christ with our physical eyes. But yet there's people that Christ died for among us every day. And yet we would rather not express, live, work out our love with and for them. Folks, we ought, we're bound to love one another. My two sons do not please me at all times. But I can honestly say, I would die for either one of them. My grandchildren would gladly give my life for them. Because that's flesh of my flesh. But those that Christ died for, they are our brothers and sisters in the blood of Christ, who Christ died for. Why do you think the scripture tells us to be mindful of, of what we eat in front of some brethren that are weaker than we are? We allow ourselves to do for those around those that are weaker than we are. Do we offend them that Christ died for? We need to be very careful of how we handle ourselves and our love with God's people. And again, last night, I was greatly impressed with the example of the love that Landmark Baptist Church has for its members. My commendation doesn't mean a whole lot. I'll admit that. But I was amazed. I was in awe of what I saw last night. I just hope that what I saw last night was not just a facade, not just a show, but it was real. It seemed real to me. And I really hope that it was real. Because I believe in what you did last night is indicative of your keeping the commandment of Christ Love one another as I have loved you, Brother Paul.